0: We have a fabulous guest on Positive Now today, and I'm just, just bear with me, because I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to sing her praises a little, (laughs) because you are not going to believe all the things that she is, author, teacher, artist, associate polarity practitioner, certified healing touch practitioner, developer of new energetic modality called Healing from the Fourth Dimension, Sacred Geometry, and the Energy Medicine levels one and two, which means she teaches this. Take notes, all right? She's worked with the University of Michigan Medical School as an educator talking about energy healing. Say hello to Elaine Groman. Hello, Elaine. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me here. I just am
1: so appreciative.
0: I have to take a breath after that. You are a very accomplished woman.
1: Well, honey, you know, you just you don't want to be bored, do you? No, you're just a go, 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 go. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's just the funny thing is, it's just as when you find yourself in this world, one thing leads to another. So, you know, I'm just a very curious person. If I learn something and something piques my interest, I want to learn about that, you know, because Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be involved in doing healing and I'm helping other people understand it, then I need to understand as much as I possibly can.
0: Right. Okay. Let's go back for a little bit here and let's talk about Little Elaine.
1: Okay. So Little Elaine was one of how many kids? Little Elaine was originally number seven of nine children. (laughs) When I was 12, I lost a brother who was 13. Oh. Uh, excuse me. I lost a brother who was 15. I apologize. Okay. Um, and he was 15 years old. Mm. He died of muscular dystrophy. He was the first poster child in, this, in the country. For muscular dystrophy. Really? Yeah. So my family was always involved with, you know, the muscular dystrophy association. So I think that actually was a precursor to me being more aware. My brother was intellectually brilliant, but his body was failing him. Okay. You know, so we were all taught to just be a part of his care team. You know, we just helped him. If he needed the urinal, he needed the urinal. If he needed to be, you know, eating or brushing his teeth or doing Mm -hmm. his homework or whatever, we had to do that. Right. And we did that lovingly. And unfortunately, 14 short months later, our mother died very unexpectedly. So that left behind eight surviving kids, the youngest of whom was three. So it was just this whirlwind. And at that time, when my brother died, it was in 1968, the morning of his funeral, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. Oh, my So gosh. you can kind of remember. I'm sure you're old enough to remember uh-huh. that. You know, every face I looked at was in shock. So I couldn't tell whether it was my grief I was seeing or their grief or the collective grief. Mm. So, you know, I then I think that exponentially heightened a lot of things for me as well. Yeah. And um, and then when I turned 16, my father, in his infinite wisdom, married a widow with seven. So there was eight of us and seven of them. Wow. (laughs) That is Brady Bunch times a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so then my number became 12 of 15. Everybody had a number.
0: Oh, my (laughs) gosh. So going through those deaths early on, were you aware of energies beyond what we can see in the physical world? You know, I have to
1: say, even before the deaths occurred, um, I truly, Lisa, was so blessed to have the mother I had. Mm-hmm. Even though I only had her for 13 short years, she was an extraordinary person and she was very intuitive, even though she wouldn't have ever used that word. And she was a healer, even though she wouldn't have used that word. She was just a very gregarious individual and people loved her. And she was always helping all of her kids express themselves. Wow. So as a child, one of the, she really helped me to be an artist. As a little girl, I actually remember going to the art store, like so many kids wanted to go to a candy store. I went to the art store and she looked at me and she goes, what color do you want, honey? You know, I Um, was like, oh my God, I could choose (laughs) that expression to be able to do that. Yeah. And she put my artwork up and everything. So I think also because of the fact that I was trained as an artist helped me to be more of an observer. Mm. You know, most people look, but they don't see. So I think it was really an honesty, Lisa, my whole life I was being trained to do what I do now,
0: which Mm -hmm. I think is
1: true for everybody. But I think I could see the little crumbs along the way Mm -hmm. and put them all together and understand what it was. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was a huge blessing. And
0: so when's the first
1: time you heard the term energy healing? Well, gosh, I... It's hard to say when exactly when that was, but I could tell you exactly when I felt it for the first time. And what propelled me into that, because actually my background was as an artist. I went to the Center for Creative Studies in Detroit. I taught there. I taught at the Birmingham Bloomfield Art Association. I had my own design business since 1985. So, you know, I was in the graphic design world. And I was in the creative world. And my specialty actually was as a lettering artist. So I designed for greeting card companies and advertising agencies and wow. things like that. So, you know, you might see like racing, Roush racing. That's my lettering. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Yay for Lynn! <laughs> so anyways, um, what, it was actually something that just came upon me very unexpectedly. But I always say, you know, God had his hand in everything. And I was actually with a family member who was dying. Mm-hmm. And it was my aunt, and she was at dying in the end stages of diabetes at Providence Hospital locally here in Southfield. And um, they really couldn't do anything more for her, so they signed her on to hospice care, which, you know, you may be familiar. With. That's the care of the dying. Mm-hmm. So she was sent home because her family wanted her to be at home, you know, as she passed. And obviously they can't keep people in the hospital indefinitely, so... She was sent home with a prognosis of about two weeks, which she lasted six weeks. So, you know, that's a very, it was a long, drawn-out illness. It wasn't just this last six weeks. It was, you know, a long time. She was in multi-system failure. And on this particular day, my siblings and I would go to help as much as we could, you know, because my cousin, who was her primary caregiver, was exhausted. Yeah. And so I was just sitting with my aunt on this one day, and I said to my cousin, you know, go do something for yourself, honey, because you just can't be hovering around here, all the time. You need to take care of yourself. Right. So I promised her I wouldn't leave her mom's side until she walked back in the room. So at that point, my aunt was hovering between semi-comatose and comatose and was not responsive for hours at a time. So I just sat with her and held her hand and thanked her for everything that she had done for us. And literally, the best way I could describe it, Lisa, was like a light switch got flipped on. She went from completely non-responsive to opening her eyes very bright and looked at me and said, I see my sister. And I said, then you go to her, darling, because she's going to take care of you. Did you
0: feel an energy exchange between your hands? Well, actually, what what I
1: felt was this, like, in the room. And it was a palpable movement. And I remember turning around looking to see if the window was open or there was a fan or whatever. And I know now from my many years of experience, I was privileged to feel her spirit leave her body.
0: And did you... Ask for all of. I mean, what I'm trying to get here is the picture of you're sitting there with your aunt. The other person, oops, has left the room. Yeah, there was just she the and I. two of us. And at that point, once the door is closed, did you
1: ask for anything to occur? No. I was happened. just thanking her for everything she had done. Wow. And I said, you know, honey, if you're ready to go, it's okay. You know, because you always hear, hearing is the last to go. So I just wanted her to know how much we appreciated all that she had done for us. And that was my opportunity. Okay. So, um, you know, when she opened her eyes, I mean, as clear as you're looking at me now, mm-hmm. it, she went from completely comatose to looking at me as if nothing was wrong. And then she passed shortly after that. She actually died two days later. Two days later. Mm-hmm. And so. But she never regained consciousness after that. Wow. And so I, I actually spoke at her funeral and told the people that were present what happened.
0: So now you're interested in, in all this energy stuff. Where did
1: you take it from there? Well, what happened was I was actually had a hard time trying to find anyone that could help me understand what this was. And I have a lot of siblings in medicine, and you know, I asked, "Have you seen this? Have you seen this?" And they were like, "No, no, no." I thought, you know, I'm now, I know I'm not losing my mind, and I, this was very real. And, and what I year was get, this? Happening? This was 15 years ago. Okay. Okay. Um, so, anyways, to make a long story short, I finally felt, I finally found someone who helped me to understand that what I felt was energy and her spirit. So I eventually got involved as a hospice volunteer, and at the same time I started to study this phenomenon called energy medicine. So for me, actually, Lisa, it was a perfect beginning because I was a non-medical person in a medical model. So I had nothing I had to undo. You know, I, I couldn't stand there and go, well, that's medically impossible. You know, I would just go, wow, look at that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what, what the heck was that? You know, and so I was just an open... Sponge to experience everything I could. So the first thing I studied was actually polarity therapy, which for me was a great beginning because it was designed by a physician. So it was very physiologically based. What is polarity? I don't understand. The polarity is, is our, uh, the understanding is, said that our body is electromagnetic. Okay. Okay. We know that. It was, you know, science has proven that because every part of our body is driven by the neurological impulses, which is an electrical current. Okay. Well, if you go further in that, you understand that any electrical current, just like the waves on the screens here, are measuring frequencies. Okay. So you have... A current is a a movement from positive to neutral to negative to neutral to positive. And we're used to seeing it in a vertical plane, okay? Mm -hmm. But in in energy, in the energy that moves in our body, it moves in a whole myriad of ways, but primarily through the spinal cord. So the polarity literally means the poles of energy in the body. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to bring a balance and directing the energy flow so that the body can heal itself. For all different types of maladies, diseases? You know, there's so many things, yes. I honestly can say that I've been at births and I've been at deaths and I've been at everything in between. And, you know, from working with someone who had an acute trauma, whether they'd had an injury, working with someone who had just come out of the operating room, working uh, with someone who had a long-term terminal illness, and, you know, certainly we have to understand that we're all going to die. I mean, there's no illusions about that. Mm -hmm. However, what we can do is to bring as much energy to bear for the body so that it can maintain its help to health no matter where you are in your, your life cycle. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, when you say working with, what does that include? You say I've worked with I mean, are
1: we talking a hands-on healing? Are we talking? A- it's, I, generally, 99.9% of the time I'm, I'm physically with a person. Okay. okay. So I'm doing hands on. Okay. It's very gentle touch. It's not manipulative like massage where you're, you know, you're actually physically moving or manipulating the tissue. This is just very gentle touch. And sometimes you're not I'm not touching the person at all. But if I could simplify how it is, if I were to use an analogy that you if you were sick, Lisa, mm-hmm. I would use the analogy that you were a car with a dead battery. Okay? Mm-hmm. The car has everything it needs accept sufficient energy to get the engine to move, okay? Mm-hmm. And you could have a brand-new car move and sit right next to it, and there's nothing going to happen unless there's a mechanism of movement, right? Mm-hmm. So that mechanism of movement is the jumper cable. Well, that's my job, is to be a jumper cable, okay? There's energy all around us. The energy that we really need for our health resides within the earth, it's in the earth. It's in the environment. It, mm-hmm. It's around us all the time, but we need to know how to move it from one place to another, just like moving it from a car with a brand-new battery into a car with a dead battery. Okay. It doesn't diminish the car with a good battery. It just gives the other enough to have a spark to, to okay. start working. All right. Um, we are talking with Elaine
0: Groman, and you can find out more information about her at com and I'll give you more information on that later. You're talking about all this energy stuff. And in my head, I'm wondering, wow, how does the traditional medical community deal with this? Where it's always just take a pill or cut someone open
1: or so how how do do these two things go together? You know, more, it, it's, it's really changing right now. I have been privileged to work with the University of Michigan for 10 years now. And I was originally, it was kind of, again, a godwink how this all happened. One of my sisters actually had read an article about um, this landmark study that they were doing at U of M. In in using a qigong practitioner, which is a different kind of energy, qi also means energy in a different language, um, and they were using qigong practitioners to help people that were undergoing cardiac transplant, heart transplant. So they were they were looking at the efficacy of what it would do to help their body prepare for the surgery and then heal from the surgery. Okay, So I read this article, and I thought, oh, my God, i got to learn about this. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm very uh, bold, I guess you'd say. And I, so I just called the woman who was in the article, and I said, you know, I'm very intrigued by what you're doing. And at that time, they had just been granted a $7 million NIH grant, National Institute of Health, had granted the University of Michigan these dollars to start the first integrated medicine research center. So, as a function of that, the woman that I met was the uh, director of education. So her her name is Rita Ben, brilliant, brilliant woman. And her, we have since become very close friends. But her job was to uh, implement integrative medicine into the medical curriculum. So she and Dr. Sarah Warber and several other people, Dr. Andy Heyman, they were the ones who were the uh, the forerunners in getting it into at least the medical curriculum. Okay. okay. So that's that's the thing that's important to remember. We can't always change old horses habits, right. but if we if we literally help the young pups understand what it's all about, then they'll then... be more likely to
0: integrate that into exactly. the full healing of a patient because I got to imagine a, a lot of people in the medical community call it that woo stuff and you know the the crazy tree hugging gypsy people think they can Not cure someone with that. Not as much as you think.
1: Not as much as you think. Really? Because you know this is not something that's really new, energy medicine or which would be would employed be employed by shamans, healers, medicine men. It's ancient, mm-hmm. you know, and the and the notion mm-hmm. that it's new age is actually kind of insulting because it's it's it, you know it's ancient. It, it, the new really allopathic medicine is new age. You know, it's allopathic medicine is the term for our Western model of medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, that really is New Age. It used to be, you know, and in fact, Hippocrates, that every physician takes the Hippocratic Oath, says, first of all, do no harm. Yeah. Also said, use, use food as your medicine. You know, so what we have, what, what has been created by creation, God, universe, is already here for us. But we've gotten kind of away from that model and became more into separation of body parts. You know, Mm -hmm. so you have an oncologist, you have a rheumatologist, you have a histologist, you have all these people, but not someone who's looking at the whole.
0: Right. And when you say looking at the whole, it's just I have a very extensive medical history and I will never forget reading Bernie Siegel's Love, Medicine and Miracles. And to me, it was like the first time I'm like, oh, my gosh, someone gets
1: it that you don't just treat the physical. Oh, and the... you can only imagine what he went through. Yeah. You know, in terms of his his peers, you know, thinking that he was out of his mind. But, mm-hmm. you know, he just, God bless him, he persisted and persisted and persisted, you know, because he understood that there's a lot more out there mm-hmm. than what is measurable with a machine or, you know, can be uh, corrected with a pharmaceutical mm-hmm. agent. You know? So can anyone do what you do energetically? I
0: would say yes. Okay, Yes. And how does someone begin to understand what abilities they have if we all Well, have I,
1: I really think that it's very important, so truly to have a good instructor, to have somebody who knows what they're talking about. I have had so many people that have come to me that say, well, I'm a healer. I've been doing this. And they don't even know how to ground themselves. Mm. I mean, you know, it, it, there's a lot of people out there, like in any profession, that are professional or not. So I think that you have to really go with your gut and, and say, you know, this is a person I want to work with or learn from. And then you really have to honestly use it. Mm-hmm. You have to experience it. Just like you sitting behind a microphone, you didn't just sit down one day and know <laughs> how to do it. You know, you had to, you had to, uh, feel comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. You had to know the nuances of what to do. Right. And it becomes second nature. Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's an innately human gift to be able to employ and and be sensitive to energy. Can I
0: just tell you how much I love that you're saying that? Because a lot of times people think that these healers are these all-knowing beings who can save them, when in fact... Just like Dorothy, they had the power to go home all the the time. That's right. You have it within you. But doing the research to find somebody that you vibe with, that you're getting the right information from, because I think finding the right healing teacher is just like finding the right doctor.
1: That's right. You
0: have to get going with this. Now,
1: you've got some classes. You actually teach people how to do this. I do. I have been teaching. um, I have been doing energy work for 15 years, but I developed a modality called Sacred Geometry and Energy Medicine, healing from the 14th. Dimension, And the reason it's called Healing from the Fourth Dimension is kind of interesting because I I like to look at a lot of different areas of science. And it was Einstein, actually, who coined the phrase the fourth dimension. And the fourth dimension is the dimension of time and space. And you cannot heal a physical body unless you heal the emotional wounds. Okay? Mm -hmm. So it's the emotional wounds. In fact, there's so much research being done right now. Literally, Lisa, every disease... Starts as a thought, disease. Yes, <laughs> now, I'm not talking about trauma, although trauma can precipitate uh, the lack of uh, awareness that you might be then setting up yourself to be in a position where where trauma could happen. Okay, but generally speaking, disease. They're actually doing research all over the country, and I've been very privileged to work with some very very exceptional healers. And, you know, they're they're seeing that there's emotional trajectories for diseases. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, think about the typical type A personality that everyone's heard of, okay? The typical type A personality, believe it or not, they're driven by fear. Not enough time, not enough money, not enough this, not enough that, okay? Lack, limitation. Lack, Mm -hmm. you know, and that underwrite, that's not love, that's fear, so they have a tendency then to kind of keep people at arm's distance. They don't have a real good uh, rapport with individuals. They shut off the energy of their heart chakras, and they die of heart attacks. It ain't A coincidence. (laughs) It's not. It is a known trajectory. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, to to give you an idea of other correlations, people that, now again, these are trends. These are not hard and fast for every single individual because there are some uh, biological hereditary factors that might influence someone's predisposition to something. Mm -hmm. However, let's say someone who has diabetes has a difficult time bringing sweetness in. Not sugar. Sweetness. Big difference. Okay. okay. How do you assimilate and allow sweetness in? People that are arthritic, they find, are people that are very internally angry. Anger becomes crystallized in the joints and destroys the joints. Okay. Mm. So there's so many things. People that don't use their mind can lose their mind. Yes. Okay. There's so many Trajectories. But the things that are really, I'm so excited about is the work that's being done literally all over the world by, at the Institute for Noetic Science, for instance, um, with Dr. Valerie Hunt, who is a professor emeritus from UCLA. Mm-hmm. She was the first person in the scientific, educational, academic world in the early 70s that unequivocally proved the existence of the human aura, <laughs> but called it the electromagnetic field of the human body. Wow. It's measurable. It is palpable, and it is visible. And they're actually doing studies now to look at the patterns of the aura that show, when you look and you understand what it is you're looking at, what a person is predisposed to get before it Mm. becomes physical. Now, does someone have to
0: be a believer in all of this to make it work? No.
1: Okay. No. Good. In fact, I worked on people that were comatose. They didn't know I was in the room, but the the certainly all the instruments that were they were connected to, showed the showed the efficacy of what I was doing. I can give you a very dramatic example of that. There was a woman who is um, now God bless her. She's a survivor of pancreatic cancer. Wow, you don't hear that very often. No. In fact, it, it, she has been so astonishing to the local people here that Henry Ford, Wayne State University in Carmanos, a number of years ago, asked her to start a foundation. So she has started the Sky Foundation. Her name is Sheila Sky Castleman, and uh, they are helping to bring together the information to identify the early biomarker for pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So with a simple blood test, believe it or not, it's the most deadly cancer, but there is no known easy diagnostic tool other than finding it when it's in stage three or four when it's too late. Okay, mm-hmm. So back to her. So she was through, a, again, all whole divine set of circumstances. She's a chapter in the book, as she always says. I'm a chapter. <laughs> um, <laughs> um,
0: and quickly, the book <laughs> we're talking about is The Angels and Me by Elaine Groman. And you can get all the information about her book, The Angels and Me, on her website, elanegroman.com. Okay. And also I'm writing a second
1: book about energy medicine specifically that I hope to have out by the end of by the fall. So, I got to hurry up and read this one because yeah, the next one's coming. And you had better have a, piece of Kle- or a box of Kleenex next to you because okay. it's a, d- definitely
0: a tear I promise. So, how <laughs>
1: did this woman with pancreatic cancer? Okay, she feel? had invited me, she asked me to be a part of her team. Because she had to have a, a procedure called a Whipple procedure. And a Whipple procedure is essentially the most difficult other than an organ transplant for someone to, to live through. So she got her surgeon's uh, um, agreement that I could be there pre-op and post-op. So to make a long story short, ended up going into, this is such a beautiful story. There was a young man at the local hospital who, uh, his, his, he was the patient advocate, and his honest-to-goodness first name was Divine. Oh. Perfect Okay, so Divine is the patient advocate. So finally, when it's time for us to get back to see Sheila in, in the recovery room, her daughter and I went back there, and it was it had been a 10 hours that we had waited. This is how long the procedure is. So uh, he's Divine's walking with us, and he goes, "Gee, I wish you would have told me I was, you were a healer. I would have gotten you back there sooner." So anyways, we get in there and, and she can imagine she's lying on this gurney, and as soon as we walk in, we realize she's in trouble. Because her blood pressure is sky high, her pulse oxygenation is extremely low, and they realize that none of the epidural is working. Now she just had major abdominal surgery. Mm -hmm. No blood, no pain meds in her body. Okay, so I start working. I'm on her right side. The panel is all there. You can see everything going wild. And her daughter standing across from me and she goes, oh, my God, look at this. As soon as you start doing something, her her uh, blood pressure started to regulate very quickly. Well, the interesting thing was this physician comes running in and he stops short and he says, oh, my God, you're doing healing work, aren't you? I said, yeah. And he goes, am I in your way? I said, are you kidding me? (laughs) I said, I don't want to be in your way. (laughs) You know, you start working and I'll keep working. So he's just, you know, trying to get her IV and and whatnot. And he goes, you know, I wish I had a healer in every recovery room. He ended up, he was the anesthesiologist. And he said, I don't understand what it is you do, but I've seen it work more times he says, I just cannot deny it. Mm-hmm. So the cool thing was, we get all done. He got he has her IV going. I have her, her pain kind of managed. And he goes over and he stands to the left of Divine. And it, his name tag is flipped over. And I said, you know, Doc, would you mind if I ask you your name? And he goes, oh, no. Flips it over. His last name is Force. Divine and, and Force. Force are standing oh, right across from me. And gosh. I
0: went, holy
1: Jiminy. <laughs> okay, so
0: she is cancer-free to this yes. day? yes. To this day. So I saw yesterday as a matter of fact. This is what I want to put out to everybody listening right now. If you know somebody or if you're going through some form of a trauma, a disease, why wouldn't you want to at least look into this? Okay? Mm -hmm. Heal from all forces. Absolutely. Take responsibility, step up, at least research it. And I know that there might be some people around you that are going to give you the raised eyebrow, the you're going to do what? Mm hmm. What, what's this mumbo-jumbo? But guess what? If it makes you feel better, if it's in line with who you are, to at least research it and find out some more about it. And you don't have to learn it yourself. Maybe you, no. you just want a treatment. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's exactly. also available, Or you could right? use it to
1: help your family, for heaven's sakes. You think about a mom, a mom who sees their child fall or a dad, not to exclude men, but if you see your child fall and or someone injures, what do you naturally do? You pick them up and you hold them heart to heart mm-hmm. and you give them a little bit of caress so that you're, they're actually in your energy. Mm-hmm. We don't think about it that way. Prayer is energy. Thoughts are energy. Everything is energy. Mm-hmm. So it's not just energy healing. I don't want it to say that, you know, there's a wonderful quote I just ran across. It is. Cure sometimes, relieve often, but comfort always. Nice. And, and that was from 1865. I just came up. I just found it. Yeah. I thought, oh, my gosh, that's, that's what medicine should be about. Okay. Cure sometimes, relieve often, comfort always. So where is
0: this energy coming from? And what I'm leading to here is a lot of people would say, well, um, that's from God or that's from the angels. Where does
1: all of that fit in? When it comes well, to you know what? We'd be foolish to think that we know it all, and we're we are kind of grappling at Where does it actually come from? And we're trying to understand it in our limited scope of understanding. But it comes literally from everywhere, and of course, everything that we see around us is from God. So mm-hmm. there is no place that God is not. So it, can can you say it doesn't come from God? Of course you can't. Of course it does. You know, but so does the and the knowledge on you know making an aspirin. That came from God. And the knowledge of somebody who knew how to do a surgical procedure. That came from God. Not from the arrogant, uh, you, know, or, you know, I shouldn't say arrogant. Right. You know, you don't want it to say it's from someone. Right. It is from divinity, which is within all of us and around all of That's us. That's right. But to answer your questions quickly, our body has frequencies in it. Now, many people have seen what's called the caduceus. The caduceus is the symbol, the AMA symbol with the snake with two I mean the staff with two snakes climbing up and the wings Uh, and that I I love it when I give a lecture at a medical school and they and I say, How many people know what this means? (laughs) Oh, it's the AMA's logo. No, (laughs) it's actually a symbol of how energy moves in the human body. Really? Yes. And way before it was called the Caduceus, it was called the staff of Hermes. So it is so think about that. You know, that's really interesting to just look at I mean, it's on their buildings and their scripts and on their lapels, but then they know what it is. No. Okay. That's okay. But we don't even understand truly the mechanism of how our food nourishes our body. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's so many things that we could question, but why do we want to waste our time? Let's get to helping each other. I had a really neat experience. I was asked to be a presenter at Henry Ford Hospital at, uh, one of their, um, they call it a Schwartz Center rounds, which was a non-clinical round. You know, we're all, I was, I was, of the 150 people in the room, I was the only one without a white coat on. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I kind of leaned into the, to the uh, microphone and I said, I'm going to tell you all a secret. You know, and they all just kind yeah. of, and I said, there isn't a single one of us getting out of this life alive. So why don't we start helping each other? Mm-hmm. And it was like immediately their energy blended. Energy is visible. Oh, yeah. Energy is visible. You know, so when you know what you're looking at, it will help you a lot to understand how to navigate your life. Mm -hmm. But what people need to understand is that healing and health is so multifaceted. So going back to why calling it healing from the fourth dimension, so many people's thinking makes them sick. Oh, oh, they're thinking. And they don't even realize that they're not actually thinking. They're responding. <laughs> they're simply responding. They're not actually thinking something through. Right. So if you help so many people, it's so interesting. Even being at a death, Lisa, it's been so amazing to help people see that a healing can happen even as someone is taking their last breath. Mm-hmm. Because healing is relief, right? not cure. So it could be relief of emotional pain, Mm -hmm. physical pain, spiritual
0: pain. Right. And right now, especially, is the perfect time for everybody to start healing as we go into 2012. Yes. And we spoke a little bit about this. What are some of the misconceptions about 2012?
1: Well, you know, I had the wonderful opportunity to interview when I had my show, uh, Going Beyond Medicine, which with uh, I interviewed the day after Greg Braden. Uh-huh. Greg Braden's book, fractal time right. came out and I had the privilege of talking with him about that because he's such a great scientist and understand, brilliant man mm-hmm. talking about the cycle, the cycles of time. We're in this 5,200, I can't remember the exact numbers, but well over 5,000 year cycle. We're at the end of this cycle. Okay, mm-hmm. Most people have this doomsday notion. Oh, uh, the Mayan said, whole world's going to end. No, Don't you it's remember? the a, resetting of the clock. It. Yeah, it's the resetting of the clock, where we're literally fully and completely in the Aquarian Age. The Aquarian Age is the age of awareness, of self-responsibility, of, you know, instead of this Piscean Age, where it was dark and very kind of, patriarchal and, you know, punitive and, you know, that kind of thinking has never healed anything. Right. Never. So now what's so wonderful. I've had this b- beautiful experience of having a native American medicine man as one of my friends and mentors and he is known all over the world and he's, he is uh, quite an extraordinary character. And, you know, he talks about the fact that as a warrior himself, He says, my job is to make sure that women's power becomes prevalent, meaning that women have always in, you know, in a patriarchal society, women have been marginalized. Half of the population of this world has been marginalized. Something's wrong there you know and you know what we have to understand is for us to be balanced we have to have male energy we have to have female energy we have to use a man's strength and let that man also feel his compassion and a little woman feel her strength as well as her compassion so that we're not fighting each other so but we're working together that's part of what's going on that's as we part go into 2012 of this. exactly and and as you've seen in the last 50 years from the time of the you know the the Dalai Lama coming off the mountain in Tibet to the the Dead Sea Scrolls being known, all of this hidden information is now available to the masses. Mm. It is, see who you are. Look at who you are. We're not going to sequester all this information away. We want you to know who you are. And that's what healing is. Healing Mm. is an inside job. Yes, we have pharmaceutical agents that can help, but that's not the healing agent. The healing agent is you. Now is
0: the time. Well, Elaine, you have been fascinating to listen to. Thank you. (laughs) love your stories. And I'm even going to do this right now and say I would love to have you back on the show again. I would love it. I would love it. there's a lot more we haven't even touched yet, and I want my listeners to hear all of it. Thank you. We are going to tell everybody out there, this is the time to heal. This is the time for you to be you and find out what your passion truly is. And that's going to start with healing. Yourself. Now remember, Elaine has uh, the book. We just, here's the book. I love it. I love the pretty blue color on it. The Angels and Me. Elaine Grohman, she's got another one coming out. She is, can, she can do healings for you as well as you have classes that help teach this. And you can go to com to find out all that information. G-R-O-H-M-A-N dot com. dot com. Elaine, thank you so much for sharing thank your you love so and much. your wisdom today. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it so much. And, and thanks, thanks for everybody. What you do. Oh, thank <laughs> you. And thanks everybody for choosing to be positive now.